welcome back to another captivating episode of In Their Words. This week, we're proud to present a story that serves as a poignant reminder of the full spectrum of human experience, the highs and lows, and the remarkable strength that lies within. Join us as we delve into the inspiring journey of Pamela Prowl, a cancer survivor, mother, wife, and friend who embodies resilience in its truest form. Prepare to be moved by the tale of a woman whose unwavering spirit has impacted so many. So February 14th of 2022, my husband was diagnosed with acute lymphamic leukemia, and we started treatments at Hopkins. He was in the hospital for a month straight, receiving treatments, monitoring his everything. And after the month was over, we were able to come home. But he went to a program that was an inpatient outpatient program. And we would have to travel to Hopkins four days a week. Typically, two of those days would be weekends. So I was able to keep working. And we were on a four-day stretch. And while I was in the shower, mammogram popped into my head. And I thought, yeah, I don't have time for a mammogram this year. I'm just going to skip that. And then my other side of myself said, yeah, you can't skip a mammogram. You got to go for your mammogram. And I told myself, if there was an opening in the portal when I went in to check, I'll get one. But if not, I'm not getting one. Ironically, there was one the following Tuesday and I scheduled it and had my mammogram. The very next day I got a phone call and they told me that my left side was a little wonky. I needed to come back for another mammogram, but I needed to go to women's imaging where there was more equipment in case I needed more than a mammogram, like an ultrasound. was able to get an appointment the very next day, went and had that, and I went from mammogram to ultrasound to it looks like you have cancer in your breast. Because my husband wasn't working, I continued working, and we continued our four-day runs down to Hopkins and back home, ultimately working towards a bone marrow transplant for him. I went through chemotherapies, I went through surgery for a lumpectomy, and then I went through radiation. Now I'm doing immunotherapy. I have three more left. I'll be finished on May 30th. But would not have known I had breast cancer if I would not have gone for that mammogram. So I had had my mammogram through my primary care physician. And when they told me that I needed to have a biopsy done, they were able to schedule me out in two and a half weeks later. And I thought, there's no way I can wait two and a half weeks later. I had conversations with a couple girlfriends and Dr. Mudge's name kept coming up through my girlfriends. I thought, you know what? I need to contact this Dr. Mudge person. And sure enough, that's what I did. I reached out. I was actually at Hopkins. It was going to be a long day appointment. I was kind of the bag lady with my husband down there. So he was getting ready to go in and get his blood drawn and get his vitals checked. And I said to him, I think I'm going to call this Dr. Mudge person and see if they can get me in sooner. He went to get his vitals done. I called Dr. Mudge's office and they said, can you be here in half an hour? I said, no, I can't, but I can be there in an hour. She said, yep, get here. So I separated our bags. So he had his bag and I had my bag. He came out. I told him what was happening. I gave him a kiss goodbye and I flew up 83. Literally had a biopsy an hour later. Went to work, did payroll quick, and went back down to Hopkins and picked up my husband. That was a Friday. The following Monday, we had the results back. And literally, 
she moved so quick on me. It was CAT scan. It was bone scan. It was get a port placed. It was getting all the checks that needed to be in place. I had had two rounds of chemotherapy by the end of that May. And this whole procedure started on May 6th for the first mammogram. So she didn't fool around at all. People that were consistently in my life because I was going every week, it was Constance who was at the front desk in her office who was amazing. Rachel, who would always check me out when I would leave. It didn't take me long before I met Anita Grove and she just wanted to know what was going on and what I needed. And by now they're starting to hear about my husband. I think I had a chart and my husband had his own chart within my chart and everyone there was so concerned about my husband and always ask about my kids and always ask about what's going on with him and how can we make this work and amongst everything and how everything worked was just unbelievable from the infusion nurses were just so amazing and so kind. It was just unbelievable how fast everything happened and how consistent everything flowed. So my husband had his insurance for our entire family. It's my husband, myself, and our two kids. He passed away on January 31st of 2023. We had paid our insurance through February. So when I contacted his employer, it's a large organization. I had to contact that department in another state. And because we had it paid, they were like, yep, your insurance is good. Everything's fine. You're paid through the end of February. And I had had a conversation at UPMC with Sandra Taylor. Sandra said, Pam, you better just double check. A lot of times when this happens, they lose their insurance. And I'm like, no, it's good. I'm good. But I took her advice and I called again and I reassured the company that yes, my husband really has passed away. And yes, I understand that I've paid through February and I finally got through to somebody and they're like, oh yeah, your insurance stopped on January 31st. The sudden loss of insurance following her husband's passing left Pam and her family in disbelief. Would she be able to sustain her treatment? In a moment of uncertainty, two UPMC and Central PA staff members, Sandra Taylor and Anita Grove, stepped in with their unwavering support. With their help, the impossible began to look achievable. So now I'm backtracking and thinking, okay, have I had any treatments? Because right now I'm on immunotherapy treatment, so that's every three weeks. And I had not had any treatment. My radiation had finished the Friday before January 31st, and January 31st was a Tuesday. So I had had zero treatments. I had had zero appointments since January 31st. And now I'm in a rush to try to get insurance for my kids and for myself. I had gone back to Sandra Taylor. And early in my journey, she had mentioned that there's a grant through the state where you can get insurance for breast cancer only. No other cancers that she was aware of, but she knew of the breast cancer. Why she told me that, I have no idea. I certainly was never going to do need that. I was going to continue with my husband. So I went right to her and said something about that. And she was able to literally get my son insurance through Penny. She was able to get my daughter insurance because she's a college student and she was able to get me that insurance. I think she texted me at like eight o'clock on a Monday night and my key true to treatment was the very next morning at seven thirty, and she had texted me and said, your insurance is a go, go to your treatments. Nothing has to stop. So that's my story on insurance. 
So prior to that, she had helped me with charity care through UPMC. I said, Sandy, I don't need this. She said, Pam, it's there. She said, it doesn't mean you have to use this the rest of your life. She said, just fill out the application. I said, again, there's other people that need this more than me. And she said, listen, your husband hasn't worked. You're paying his deductible. You're paying your deductible. She said, just fill out the application. So I filled out the application and sure enough, I was accepted, which was amazing because my deductible for just myself was $6,350. My husband's was $6,350. We of course hit his deductible the first week of his diagnosis. So she helped me with that. She then helped me with the foundation with additional bills with just the cable bill even though no one was in the house watching cable, (laughs) but all those other bills that you have that obviously don't stop whenever sometimes your life kind of stops. So she was the one and with Anita helped me assist with those bigger bills. Pam had always been the kind of person who valued her independence and self-reliance. She never once imagined herself in a situation where she'd need outside assistance to afford her treatment or manage her bills. But life can throw unexpected challenges our way. When faced with financial struggles amidst her cancer battle, Pam found herself in uncharted territory. I think you have the stigma in your mind of people that need supports are people that it's their own fault, maybe, that they're in the situations that they're in and they need to try to have supports that maybe they're not worthy, right, to have something like that because their choices that they're doing on the side maybe aren't the best. And who am I to judge, right? But as humans, we do. And when those were offered to me, I thought, well, I'm not that person. I am certainly not in need of that. I'm going to figure it out. But the foundation provided a way for my family to continue to just live and not be constantly worried about even being in the home to pay a bill or to try to figure out how it was going to get done when we were spending so much time at Hopkins. With the compassionate support of the UPMC Pinnacle Foundation, Pam discovered the strength to gracefully accept temporary assistance. This act not only eased her financial burden, but also reminded her that seeking help is a sign of courage, not weakness. It's a powerful testament to the community of problem solvers at UPMC in Central PA and the UPMC Pinnacle Foundation donors who are dedicated to uplifting one another during life's toughest moments. Even with needing radiation every day, there were days where I wanted to stay at Hopkins and I couldn't because I had to have treatment here. But just knowing that a gas card was coming when I was filling up my tank three times a week to run back and forth to him, We put over 18,000 miles on our vehicles this year, just going back and forth for medical appointments. And you don't even think about that. But the foundation was so supportive, still made me feel like I had dignity, right? They made me still feel like I didn't have to do this all the time or use their services all the time. But in this moment of time, It made our family continue to function without worrying about the financial piece. So I am a child care director. I've been doing that for 25 years. I have infants through school-agers. I knew that when I was diagnosed with cancer, my kiddos would know there was something changing. 
I can hardly change my earrings without them calling me out on it. So the thought of knowing that I was going to lose my hair, I thought I got to get the elephant out of the room. I'm going to have to tell my parents, my families. I'm going to have to somehow tell these kids. And I'm going to have to somehow tell them that it's going to be okay. And tell myself it was going to be okay. Figured it. I'd be fine without hair because I really don't care about my hair or my looks until I lost my hair and I lost my eyebrows and I lost my eyelashes and I would get my image and think who in the world is that crazy woman? And then I realized it was me. (laughs) So, so afraid I was going to scare the kids. So I got a book about, it's called nowhere hair. It was about a little girl that her mom had cancer and she was losing her hair. And the little girl was in search of the hair through the house. And it just explained that the mom had cancer. She was going to lose her hair. It explained how the mom would put wigs on, put hats on, put scarves on. But she was still her mom. She might be tired. She might be whatever. Okay. So I took that book to school. I read it to the kids. I took in all my hats, all my wigs. And I told them what was going to happen. I let them try on the hats and wigs and we took pictures and it was just crazy. And the kids were not scared. They told me I was going to be okay. They would want me to sneak a peek under my hat or under my scarf. Probably one of the most comical days was I was getting my school kids off the bus and I had one eyebrow drawn on and my other eyebrow drawn on. But miraculously, I wiped one off and didn't know it. And when I got my school kids off the bus, I had a school kid staring at me and she said, Miss Pamela, you are missing an eyebrow. They just didn't realize that I was paying them on every day. And I didn't realize how easy they were to wipe off. So having the tattoos done was absolutely amazing because I didn't have to worry about that. And I looked normal again. And this is my new hair, which I never had gray and I never had curly, but At least I have hair. So a little too much about beyond that, but that was a huge piece of my job for my kids. Yeah. So my dad was diagnosed with CLL probably four years ago. And when he was diagnosed, the doctor said CLL isn't going to take him. Something else will. It's a chronic leukemia. It's a blood cancer. And so he was being treated with infusions and pills I think it was the same treatment that Lance Armstrong was on, if you remember that years ago. And it lowered his blood count. It lowered his immune system, all that fun stuff. However, he was such a trooper. He was still cutting his grass, you know, living on the farm, still doing everything, driving. About two months ago, his bowel perforated and he had to go into emergency surgery. And the doctor said, you're either going to die if you don't do it or you're going to die if you do do it. And so he literally thought that he was going to go in and have a surgery and wake up in heaven. But instead he woke up in ICU where he was for a little over a week and he had a breathing tube going down. And when they removed that, he was unable to pass a swallowing test. So they had to put a feeding tube in. They had had a feeding tube in, but it had to remain in. He continually tried to pass that and it couldn't. And so it got to the point where... Do you want to keep him in the hospital? He's too weak to put in a permanent feeding tube. Or do you want to go home? So we went home under hospice care. And my dad just passed away. My mom was just diagnosed with 
pancreatic cancer and was given six months. I think that was generous to say six months. And this morning at nine, I just met with hospice again for the third time this year to set up that service for my mom. Through the relentless hardships that Pam has faced, from the loss of family members to the shadow of illness and uncertainty, one remarkable trait has remained unwavering. Her unbreakable grace, unwavering courage, and unparalleled strength. These qualities define her journey and serve as a beacon of inspiration for all who hear her story. So both of our children matched my husband for bone marrow transplant for him. However, our son was a better match. And so he was the donor. So for him, he really had a struggle when his dad passed, thinking that maybe his bone marrow wasn't good enough for his dad. So that was super hard for him. My daughter was away at college, and as soon as she found out that her dad relapsed, she dropped two classes so she could spend time to be here. The entire time we would run to Hopkins in the summer, she was his personal nurse and would take care of him at Hopkins and sit with him and did that time together. It's probably her best friend. So her losing her dad was super hard. But when she dropped her classes, it gave her a little more free time that she wasn't used to. So she spent a lot of time at home after he passed. The first two weeks, she would go to school and come home at night. I'm not sure if she was staying here for me or staying here for her or doing it for both of us. She now goes back to school and stays there through the week, but typically comes home for weekends. My husband and I wanted to do outreach immediately whenever he was healthy enough. So our son is actually helping my daughter's boyfriend coach lacrosse. He does that three days a week, and they typically have two Saturday-Sunday games for the weekend, and he's loving it. So he's giving back, which is really cool. Um, Our daughter, when my husband was first diagnosed, she got involved with the Relay for Life on Elizabethtown's campus, and she was in charge of organizing like donations and the food part of it. And she ran around to the local giants and to get gift cards and to anyone that would give anything free. I think their dad gave them a great foundation in life and they both have good heads on their shoulders. So they have great memories for him. Pam's role extends beyond that of a grateful patient. She stands as a dedicated advocate for UPMC in Central PA and the caregivers and specialists who walked alongside her at UPMC Memorial in York, PA. Her unwavering support serves as a testament to the transformative impact of compassionate care and the meaningful connections forged between patients and their healthcare providers. Pam's journey reminds us all of the powerful bond that unites those who strive to make a difference. Whenever I made that phone call to Dr. Mudge's office on that May 8th, I wasn't even sure if I was allowed to do it based off of my insurance because I didn't even know if my insurance would allow that. And when it was, you know, I thought, great, end of story. Sometimes it's not about the organization itself or the name itself. It's about the people that are driving it and the people that and the relationships that I made at UPMC are undescribable. Again, I know I mentioned this before, but like just from Constance being the front desk girl who I would see every day or Rachel, who I would see every day and all of the infusion nurses. When Dr. Lou 
left and went back to full time at Harrisburg, I had the option to go with Dr. Lou. But as I thought about that, I was like, well, if I go to Harrisburg UPMC, then I got to change all of my people at York UPMC. And I thought, I'm not going to do that because I'd have to leave my infusion, which was every three weeks and those front desk ladies every, you know, and I find that it's more about relationships and the relationships at UPMC. I don't think I ever through this entire journey, which we're almost coming up on a year, ever came across anybody that was in a bad mood or didn't help me in a way that I needed it. And even if it was something that they didn't have the answer for, they always got it. So for me, UPMC was amazing and is amazing. And I'll be a UPMC person now. (laughs) For me, within my childcare center, I really wanted to get my eyebrows tattooed on before I even got cancer. So I had researched it some, but to put that kind of money out, there's no way I'd put that money out for something like that. But to know now that even if a baby smears their hand across my face, I'm not going to lose what I've drawn on is an amazing feeling. So that piece to know that the woman that did that was so wonderful and just compassionate about her job. I know I'd still be painting them on every day, but knowing I don't have to is just amazing. So that was huge for me, which I never thought it would be. And I'm, I really don't care about that kind of stuff, but all of a sudden when I got cancer, I did. The other piece that I think impacted us with the insurance was huge, but the charity care without my husband working at all the entire year, paying out $14,000 in one year and knowing that my cancer wasn't going to stop in December, it was going into the next year and I had to do it all over again. I don't know that I would have been able to do it and I don't know what we would have cut back on. My daughter was going to continue going to college. I had to continue working, but knowing that that support was there, I don't even know how to describe the feeling. Just knowing that that's being taken care of again in this moment of time, it's not like I'm going to do it forever, but in this moment of time was huge for our family. I just don't know how we would have done it. When Anita Grove came into my life, she was amazing. Not only did she make me feel normal. Not only did she respect everything I had and still made me feel like I had dignity, but she supported me in ways and guided me in ways that I never thought was possible, whether it was the foundation, whether it was the different other organizations outside of the foundation, just anything that was available locally to support me. At first I was like, I don't want any of that stuff. I just want to understand what I have and how I'm going to get through this because I don't need help. You know, I'm always the giver. I'm never the one receiving it. But she made me realize that it's not anything that you have to do the rest of your life. It's just in this moment of time. And then you give back however you can give back. But she's just so genuine. And again, I never thought that one person could support an entire family in the way that she did and does. And I know will continue to do for me. That was when I realized that it's the people in an organization not the organization itself. As we approach the conclusion of this remarkable journey, filled with moments of heartbreak and inspiration alike, a truly heartwarming perspective awaits. Pam's daughter steps forward to share her thoughts on the woman she calls mom. 
Her insights provide a touching glimpse into the profound impact Pam has had on her family and beyond, reinforcing the enduring strength of their bond. Just understanding everything that everyone did for her and how everyone cared about her just feels great because it was kind of hard for me being at school because I felt like I was away so I couldn't really contribute when I was at school. So I kind of struggled with that for a little bit at the beginning. But just understanding that people took care of her the way that I would want them to take care of her feels really good. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, she's the craziest person I know. No. <laughs> she is very strong and I never noticed it until recently, like this past year, just because nothing traumatic has ever happened in our family and we haven't really had to be strong before. But I would be at school some days and I would be like, I don't even understand how, like, I can barely even finish this assignment. I don't understand how she's running my dad to appointments, going to her own appointments, working, caring for her mom and dad, caring for my dad's mom and dad, still checking in on me and my brother, like, still taking care of my little cat. Like, I literally don't understand how she fit everything into her day that she did. And if I was in her position, I would not have been able to do everything that she did. It was absolutely insane. I said many times to many people that she is superwoman. And I've said it once and I'll say it again. I just hope someday that I can be at least half of what she has been. As we draw to a close on this poignant episode, I want to express my heartfelt gratitude to you, our listeners. Thank you for joining us on Pam's remarkable journey, for sharing in her triumphs and challenges, and for allowing her story to resonate with you. Your presence and engagement are what makes these narratives come alive. Stay tuned for more inspiring tales in the episodes to come. Until then, thank you for being a part of In Their Words. This podcast is brought to you by the UPMC Pinnacle Foundation and UPMC in Central PA. UPMC in Central PA has seven acute care hospitals with 1,160 beds, with 1,160 licensed beds, over 160 outpatient clinics and ancillary facilities, and more than 2,900 physicians and allied health professionals, and approximately 11,000 employees in Central PA. It is a healthcare hub serving Dauphin, Cumberland, Perry, York, Lancaster, Lebanon, Juniata, Franklin, Adams, and parts of Snyder counties. The UPMC Pinnacle Foundation exists to provide resources to meet the needs of our most vulnerable patients, promote health and lifelong wellness in our communities, and support our workforce so we can attract, train, and retain the best and brightest talent at UPMC in Central. Before we wrap up this episode, I want to extend my gratitude to you, our listeners, for joining us on this journey of inspiration and innovation in oncology care. I'd also like to express our sincerest appreciation to Dr. Kit Liu for her invaluable insights and dedication to transforming the landscape of cancer treatment. Your engagement means the world to us, and we encourage you to share these stories of hope and healing with others who might find them as meaningful as you do. By rating, reviewing, and sharing our podcast, you're helping us reach even more hearts and minds, making a difference one listener at a time. 
Stay tuned for more captivating stories in the episodes to come. Until then, thank you for being a part of In Their Words. To make a difference for oncology patients in need and to join their philanthropic mission, visit upmcpinnaclefoundation.org.